There are more things in coordinated strike Horatio than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Welcome to a brand spanking new coordinated strike as always. I'm your host, Joe. Let's get right into it. On today's show, we alas for poor York, a shipping update from last week. But on this very special episode, we talk about the issue that is that your significant other has been hitting you with for months, years really. Why the other side? In a sea of games and a restored workshop for them, why play and why join us on the other side? We don't pee-pee around the question. We tackle it head-on as we manically head into this coordinated strike. Oh, that music pumps me up and shipping makes me sad. Mostly the fact that all last week we got zero shipping notification when they said they would be making uh, updates as progress went along. So that is not overly heartening as we continue uh, the other side watch. 2018. Uh, I want to make sure that you all are aware that we're going to be doing some other side events at the Captain Con this year. That is in beautiful Warwick, Rhode Island. I encourage you all to come. We'll be doing events on both Friday and Saturday night. And if we see a big response for it, I'm going to try and see if we can't get uh, one or two more events throughout the day uh, as well. So really looking forward to presenting some toss with you. Really looking forward to playing some toss with you out in the New England area. Uh, and that, that, again, is going to be over February 8th through the 10th, um, second weekend in February, right after the Super Bowl. So very excited for that. Normally, it was on Super Bowl weekend. Uh, they thankfully decided to move that because um, I'm pretty sure that my Rams are going to be in the Super Bowl. But that's enough NFL talk. That's enough sad shipping talk. Let's get into the heart of this episode. Let's get into the big question. Why play the other side? Why get into the other side when there are so many other games available uh, that have, honestly, just more established presence than uh, Weird does in the space. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, you should do it because the game is freaking awesome. Uh, it is designed for competitive play. It utilizes cards over dice. Uh, it utilizes an alternating activation system. So it's, I activate a unit, you activate a unit, we go through. So there's not really an alpha strike like there is in some of the other games. And it's not really setting up for the alpha strike, which is also something that's also been associated in company games. That just doesn't happen in the other side because of the alternating activation point. Additionally, brand new game. You can get into it very, very easily uh, in terms of the, the starter sets that you get for this game are full one commander boxes. You get everything you need to play a tournament legal one commander game, and all you're really going to have to do is stick these guys onto their bases. Uh, so not a, not a lot in terms of assembly. Uh, not a lot in terms of overall overall time investment to get up and running and playing, uh, which I think is really good. So the accessibility is very high for this game. So let's go ahead and break down some points, uh, get into it, talk about the meat of why you would play this over some of the other things that are on the market. Well, first and foremost, if you like the aesthetic, and I think you're going to, there's really at this point, there's four factions, there are more coming. Um, there's more the four allegiances. There are more coming factions is not the term that is used in this game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna slip in and out of it because I've used factions for years in wargaming, and those that are coming from other systems 
are going to be just more familiar with that term, and that's just the way that it is. But there's really a play style for everyone inside the game, and just the base four factions. If you like hyper-elite, um, technically sound, really futuristic-looking miniatures uh, and big robots, we have you covered. We have Abyssinia for that. They are definitely the most um, alien-looking human-specific faction. Um, they are based out of Africa. Uh, so it's an aesthetic that you may not have seen before. It's really a cool thing if you're a fan of uh, the Black Panther movie. There's definitely some homages to um, to that movie within the, within the Force. Um, they are definitely high-tech, uh, secret, secret area that, that kept themselves defended because of their advanced technology uh, that they were able to get because they got Soul Stones early. Um, it is a steampunk, gothic horror... Uh, based universe, so same universe as Malifaux. It's just the Earth side of it. So if you're into that, if you if you didn't really want to be, you know, born this century, or you're really into early 1900s and that Jules Verne type uh, type role in that, this is really a game for you. Uh, additionally, if you like the more traditional humans, you like anime, you want to see a giant humanesque robot. We've got you covered there as well. We have the King's Empire, uh, which are essentially the Brits. Early 1906 army, right there for you. You can see um, the the heavy aesthetic choices uh, in that particular force. They still have the very decorated cavalry, um, which would be pre World War pre World War One. Uh, you see beautiful giant field guns from them. You have a giant. Uh, Articulated robot uh, in the king's hand. You have very dashing commanders. Uh, you have a play style that is very much in tune with a gun line, but it's not your traditional gun line. Sure, they can line up and shoot you, but they have a lot of tricks. So friends and I really refer to them as more of a James Bond-esque. They can shoot and attack as necessary, but they also have a lot of little tricks thrown in for you to surprise your enemy, manipulate the objectives on the battlefield, move their positioning, and ultimately win through subterfuge if you choose, uh, as well as your direct fighting prowess. Then if you're a little more of a denizen, of, or you like the aesthetic of Malifaux itself, there is the Cult of the Burning Man, which definitely employs more of the gothic horror, uh, some of the uh, Victorian trappings that you may uh, enjoy from this time period in terms of dress. Uh, you'll see body horror in the Twisted Horrors as well as the Warped. Uh, you have the Breachling, which is kind of this twisted plant-like uh, entity that comes through. You have uh, just the normal citizens and the Broken. Uh, that are definitely bizarre-looking, uh, just common folk. You have the Doom Seekers with more of their cult appeal, all in the same faction and all right there for you to kind of sink your teeth into. And by the way, their Titan is a giant um, Hydra. Uh, he is of uh, Eastern European folklore. Really cool, um, really cool Titan. Regenerates himself on the battlefield. So if you, and then playstyle wise, if you like speed, if you like to be the glass hammer, 
that runs around and, and jumps everywhere and, and jumps through portals. If you like that type of play, these are definitely the guys to get into. Um, they they definitely have, um, if you remember the old video game portals, they utilize portals and, and definitely in that same mindset you're going to be thinking very differently about space and spatial interaction with this faction than you do with almost any other and against them. So they are definitely a trip to play. Uh, they definitely don't last long on the table, but they hit incredibly hard. They can end up nearly anywhere that they want to be. Uh, they are my my uh, one of my favorites and yours, the Cult of the Burning Man. And so finally we come to... Hordes done right. Uh, to me, the horde aesthetic is something that I that I like on the table. I like seeing a large army. They can definitely field one of the largest, but don't think of it as requiring a ton of models as hordes traditionally do. This is done more through recursion than it is through actual physical models on the table. So you don't have to be painting, you know, 80, 90 guys. This is going to be roughly the same amount of figures as you would with some of the other armies, maybe 10 more in terms of overall figures that you're going to need to, to play with on the table. But because of the way the mechanics work, they're going to be coming back uh, fairly regularly. And so you're going to have that feeling of that overwhelming wave. Um, additionally, they can be played fairly elite. They are basically giant fish monsters, so very much a murloc feel very much a Cthulian feel. They're very alien-looking. Um, they have a little bit of a Geiger to them in terms of their overall aesthetic. And then they are mostly a melee force. They can um, give you a little bit of range punch, but most of their punch is going to come in the form of melee. And their alpha uh, titan is utterly fantastic-looking. He is just a giant homage to Cthulhu and all of the, the strange things in the deep. His face is a little bit Predator-esque. Um, I quite like the aesthetic of this faction as a whole. It's why I bought in fairly heavily to them as well. Uh, so again, one of my one of my absolute favorites is the Gibbering Hordes. So one of the other neat things about the other side and the way that it works is if you like bits and pieces of some of the other allegiances, you have the option through getting a dual commander, basically one of your other commanders can be part of two allegiances. If that's the case, it open, opens up the hiring pool of squads from one allegiance to the other. And so this is fairly unique in that if you like the Earthside stuff, if you like both um, the King's Empire and Abyssinia, but you don't want to commit fully to one or the other, you can buy the starters for each and then buy a single commander unit, um, CASA, and those two boxes can work with each other. Uh, because you have CASA as your second commander, you bring in the units from the box, and you bring in one of the other, and you bring in the, the units from the other box, and those things all work together. And you can have fairly unique forces fairly quickly. So while there's four factions to start, there's really six different combinations you can get right off the bat. Uh, so that's very interesting and very much from a list-building perspective means there's a lot of depth already within the game. So if that's something that you're looking for, it's definitely here. And the idea for expansion 
is additional factions of roughly the same size over time that are going to have additional uh, dual commanders to bring those into the other the other factions as well so that you can play either a pure force or you can branch off and bring in some of these dual commanders in and make a truly unique force so everything is your own uh, in that sense from the from the list building perspective uh, one of the things that was definitely done is, is to try and keep competitive balance uh, at the forefront throughout the design uh, so you'll see a very tight rule set overall and you'll see a very interesting um, utilization of units everything everything has a role and a job and that's something that was very much focused on uh, from the word go so that's kind of an overview of the different factions of the different play styles I want to get into what makes the other side special uh, one of the things that definitely makes the other side special and weird miniatures in general very unique is their utilization of a deck of 54 playing cards uh, known as a fate deck with specialized symbols as opposed to rolling dice and one of the things that the deck gives you over dice is that it limits your bad luck within a turn and the reason it does that is decks have memory um, essentially there are 54 unique cards in the deck there is only one one of each suit only one black joker only one red joker in a particular deck and so as you flip cards those instances of that card cannot come up again there's only going to be one run only one one of crows in a deck so overall there's only four ones in the deck whereas on dice every single input you have the same percentage chance to roll that one and so it's entirely possible to have giant streaks of luck within your variance when you're rolling dice as opposed to in cards there is a lot less variance in that deck in the first time through just by its very nature that's just if you're flipping the cards off the top the decks gonna go through a natural bell curve as you play whereas dice are not guaranteed to uh, so in that way if you're used to a two die system the card system is gonna seem very familiar because it is very very similar where it diverges a bit from both a two die system or the dice or a deck of cards is that we have a control hand so you have the ability to spend tactics tokens to buy cards that are going to be in your hand that'll be out of your deck they're in your hand for you to use to replace cards that have flipped within a duel this means you have even more control of your luck so you have the ability to essentially have a reroll automatically in your hand that you know the result of so in age of sigmar uh, i know there are these zinch dice so the zinch player has the ability at the start of the turn to roll some of these dice they are known results and then they can replace that known result with a result that they rolled during the game so very similar very similar here but instead of a die of course it's a card uh, one of the other ways that you have to have way more control is that you can use a tactics token during your turn to flip an additional card and then pick the two so 
let's say you flipped the ultimate bad result, which is a black joker in this game. You can spend a tactics token to flip an additional card and then be able to choose the result that you would like of those two, which is likely going to be the non-black joker card. So this really gives you a lot more control than rolling a ton of dice or even rolling 2d6 and then boosting them. Uh, because, again, those three ones can come up. And the other side, you can flip two cards. They can both be low. But you still have that card potentially in your hand that you can cheat in and have the result go your way. So in this way, you definitely have far more control than you do in other war games. And that's intentional. Um, one of the things that is definitely key to the universe of the other side is that through the depth, the adeptness of your commander, i.e. your tactics tokens, and your ability to manage your resources in both your hand and those tokens, you can exert your will, your will on the battlefield and ultimately attain glory. And so this brings up another unique mechanic to the game, which is the going to glory. So each card on the other side is two-faced. You will only ever use one side at a time. The base side is your normal unit stats. Throughout the game, you may go to the other side or flip to glory. These units have completed some requirement that is based on their allegiance. Uh, it could be something like uh, eating one of your fellow units. It could be killing a, an enemy fire team. It could be beating, uh, a, beating a flip that you make uh, by a margin of seven. And it could be uh, something like getting two shaken tokens on you and then being able to go to glory. And when you do that, you flip to the other side of the card. Get it? Other side. You're flipping to glory. And you use that other side. And that other side is the glory side of the card. The other side of the card is typically going to have maybe one or two more abilities, one or two more triggers. Uh, you could see an increase in stats. Your unit is overall potentially going to get better. It's going to be different than it was when it was glory. And so through this mechanism, you have a morale system for the game that is about what do you do in those heroic moments? What, what do you, how do you get those, those heroic moments emulated on the tabletop? And this is how they do it in the other side. They get you to go to glory. And gloried units are a little more effective than non-gloried units. And again, this is intentional. And it's all about managing your resources, making your plays to do so. So one of the other things that is fairly innovative in the other side itself, and I think is a real selling point for the game, is it utilizes alternating activations as opposed to alternating turns. So what does this mean? What this means is, during a turn, I'm going to get to activate one of my units. After I'm completed activating one of my units, you as my opponent are going to get to activate one of your units. Then I will get to activate one of my units. We will go back and forth until everything is activated or we have both passed. There's also a pass function in this game, which is very important to, to note. So once we've both passed, the turn ends and we look at our victory points. 
So with alternating activations, the concept of the Alpha Strike, or the I move all of my stuff forward, it shoots at all of your stuff, you remove a giant chunk of it that never got to activate, never got to do anything, doesn't really happen in this game. Because you as the opponent are going to be able to react to what they're doing. Okay, they're starting to really wham, wham on this unit. I can go ahead and move them out of range, and now they can't do that anymore. They're going to have to do something else with their next activation. Or I can then threaten them over here because, you know, this unit moved over to support this one. It brings up a more tactical game as a whole, and a game where it's not about getting everything on your opponent immediately before they get to activate. The game isn't decided in the first roll of the game to determine who goes first. The game is decided by actually playing it, making strategic moves, and going back and forth until a winner has been declared. That's not to say you can't activate two units in a row. There's an ability called Coordinated Strike that lets you do that when you have only activated one unit since the enemy's last activation. So you can do it, you just can't do it twice in a row. So, And you're only utilizing two units activations as opposed to one unit's activation. So, And it's not your entire army going. So it's alternating activations, not alternating turns. This is pretty big for a company-sized game. It really cleans up the Alpha Strike issue, which is what a lot of games are built around. Um, you know, some of the other competitors in the market are built around this concept of Alpha Strike, and some people love it and some people don't. Uh, I was never a huge fan of the Alpha Strike. I'd rather my play on the table really dictate things. Um, some games have mitigated it through reduction in ranges and those type of things. In this game, it's really about your ability to move and your opponent's ability to counter that move. And it's that back and forth uh, that makes this game truly unique and truly interesting. And that's what the alternating activations bring to it, as opposed to alternating turns. Uh, one of the other things that we see with this game that I think is a real strength is the cleanliness of its rule set, and that it was built with competitive play in mind. And this leads to an overall speed and cleanliness of play, uh, innate in the rule set. It's a two-dimensional rule set. There are things that are high and things that are low. And there are rules to interact with it that way, but there's not really, uh, there's no need to, to jump on buildings or those type of things to determine a line of sight. There's no shadows. There's, there's none of that kind of sloppiness. The terrain rules are two-dimensional. Makes it very easy, makes it very clean. Um, it's very simple to know if something is in range or not. You get to measure things all the time. Very, very simple, very, very clean. Uh, the rules themselves aren't overly complicated. It utilizes an order system. Uh, so there are three orders. You can do an advance order, you can do a rush order, and you can do a focused effort. Focused effort gives you token, doesn't give you any movement. An advance order lets you... Take, a, take any general action you want and move or move and then take any general action that you want. And then a rush order lets you move twice your speed and then do a melee type action. So again, 
very quick, very clean. Uh, you're going to be activating units as a whole. So let me break down what a unit is. A unit is any base on the table. That base can be a giant uh, titan. That base can be a single commander fire team. Or that unit could be three bases in a squad. Each of those bases is referred to as a fire team. So a unit can be made up of multiple fire teams. A fire team can be made up of multiple models. So in a squad of Royal Rifle Corps, you're going to see three models on a fire team base. Three of those fire team bases, so nine models total, make up a Royal Rifle Corps unit. So that unit is going to activate as a whole. So you are going to move those three bases of three guys, and they are going to activate. Now the base itself is what generates, is what's given the order and what generates the action. So the number of guys on it don't give you more actions. They just give you one action per fire team base. So one action per fire team. Pretty simple, pretty quick. You've just moved nine guys, executed their order, and you only had to take three shots to do it as opposed to rolling nine dice or rolling nine sets of two, two dice to determine what their attack does. It makes it very quick. It makes it very clean. It means that you're taking less overall actions but still able to play a very large-scale game very quickly. So this type of speed of rule set is really what I want you to look at while you're reading through the game and getting your demos and taking a look at it. Uh, it's fairly unique to have the base. And one of the other big innovations is everything in the game, including the giant titan, has one wound. So it doesn't mean they go away right away. There are mechanics in the game through assets, which are basically cards that you put on the other card, that soak up damage. So any point of damage is going to remove a model, or it's going to start reducing these assets. So on these giant titans, uh, like on the king, like in the uh, Abyssinia, you have the Dreadnought, and the Dreadnought has multiple machine gunners, and those are represented by upgrades that you can put on the card that are called assets. As these assets break, you can't use that machine gun anymore. There's also mechanics in the game to repair those machine guns, as well as there are mechanics in the game to reinforce your squads or bring models back to them. So there is a lot of recursion at the base of the game. So there's not like one... Uh, there's not one faction that just has a monopoly on recursion. There are some that are better at it than others. But everybody has the chance to potentially bring models back to their squads. So you get a real epic scale without having to have an epic amount of models on the table. And that, to me, is something that is very appealing to the game as a whole and I think adds to the speed of play and adds to the cleanliness of the rules. One of the other things to keep in mind is that all the miniatures for this game are pre-built. This includes the giant titans. So if you don't like to assemble, if you're like me, if you don't like the assembly portion, all you're going to have to do is put these guys on their base and then put these guys in their fire team base. And that's all you've got to do. You're good to go in probably 20 minutes, 
once you open the box of just quick glue and glow click glue and go or blue tack and go and you're able to play right away without having to muss or fuss around with all the fiddliness that that assembly brings um, the models take paint exceedingly well but you're not going to have any of the downtime of assembly so if you don't like assembling models this is definitely a game to try um, additionally with the ease of ease of getting into it again to reiterate you have when you buy an allegiance box you have everything you need to play a full tournament license one commander game of the other side standard tournament size is going to be two commanders but with a single purchase you are you have a full one commander list you are ready to go you can play that you can learn to play the game at the one commander level with that singular purchase and then as you get better as you want to grow your force you can do that and there's going to be league support to help you grow your force uh, as we go forward with it so very exciting very easy to get into again to reiterate dice over cards innovative mechanics alternating activations you don't have to to sit there and take a giant alpha strike you're going to be able to react to it again you're going to have uh, great speed of play and a rule set that's really built with the player in mind and built with competitive play in mind and then there's ease of access to the miniatures you're getting a full starting force getting a full one commander force when you buy an allegiance box and ease of miniature assembly and another note on the the full commander boxes the allegiance boxes the units that you're getting in there are premium units they are in most case pretty much every case they are the premium you're getting two of the premium infantry for that force uh, and this was done intentionally one of the things that they wanted to do with the game is make sure you're getting something you're going to use for most of the life cycle of the game most life cycle of your faction right off the bat so you're not getting things that they couldn't sell otherwise you're getting things that you're going to absolutely need and absolutely want and want to use and you're going to feel like it's a very powerful starting force because yes it is and that was intentional and that was something that they wanted to do additionally if all of that wasn't enough uh, there's a beautiful mechanic in the game called a stratagem and again this is something that you're going to spend your tactics token for which is again this is a resource intensive game if you haven't gotten that from the general overview and from the general things or you haven't listened to the series of, of rules this is a reef this is a resource management game at its absolute core so you can spend some of these resources to get stratagems and what these stratagems are are essentially one-time use or maybe additional use abilities the card will tell you that act as giant inflect giant influences of power for your particular army they could be things like generating a, a brand new squad in the back of your opponent's um, playing area they could be something like giving all of your team all of your company a reinforcement token yeah it could be something like making a, an opponent not use a particular order in their next activation it could be making them skip their next activation and act as if they pass without having to discard a card these are incredibly powerful abilities that can change the tide of battle for you uh, 
So definitely a very cool mechanic, something if you're, if you're familiar with other games. If you like the ability to have a one or, one or two time use event that dramatically shifts things in your favor, this game has that. And has it in variable ways because there are multiple stratagems that you can buy and construct your six cards for the game. So there's like 30 strategies available to each side currently. Or 30 strategies available to each side currently. And you're only going to ever take six in a game. So that means there's a lot of variance and variation that can go into that. And you, when you're building your force, that's something you can do right away. Additionally, on building your forces, if you come from some of the other games, uh, you would know that fixed list or two list environment would be fairly common. One of the things with the other side and weird miniatures in general, uh, if you're not familiar with them, is we build our that we build our list at the table. That isn't to say that we have full reign of a catalog, uh, and the 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 documents will probably reflect some restriction on this. But you will have a, a force from which you're selecting, and then you will build that. Then you will build your force off of those selections. And so, as you have that force, you can kind of you're going to know who you're up against in terms of what their commanders are, and what the scenario is, and what their faction is, or their allegiance is. And with that information, you can kind of pick and choose uh, the force that you want to go into battle to be able to combat what you're facing, as well as the stratagems. This, because there aren't any hard counters in the game, just provides you with the ability to get as much edge as you can on your opponent. But remember, they're going to be doing the same thing to you. So in the end, it, it overall balances out. So you're not neck decking against anybody. You're not specifically building to beat somebody. You're building to win the game, and part of that is an understanding of what you're up against. So just like you don't bring um, you know, desert equipment into, into the Siberian Tundra, this is the same type of idea that you're going to be able to bring equipment that is appropriate to where you're fighting and what you're fighting, uh, as opposed to just taking something that you built at the start of the tournament and have to put it into anything else. This means you don't get caught in an unwinnable matchup. It means you can bring things that can help you win, no matter who you're up against. So really kind of a different way of, of doing things, really something that has worked incredibly well uh, in the Malifaux game. I think it's going to work incredibly well on the other side, particularly with how uh, I think they'll end up implementing uh, a bit of a restriction on it so that you're not bringing everything, that everything in its brother isn't available to you. It's going to be some type of restriction on what can come with you, but there will be things that you can pick and choose to put into your force. Um, the British use, utilize this system a lot in Malifaux, um, and I think some variation of that is probably going to make its way into whatever tournament document they, they generate um, for the game. So I think that is very helpful uh, to kind of keep in mind and think about as you go on with your career in the other side. So again, why the other side? game is freaking awesome. Uh, Weird has a long history of having a very good competitive environment. Uh, 
they are a company that does care about their game. Uh, they may not care about shipping their game, but they do care about their game when it's, when it's definitely in the wild, and they do regular updates to FAQ. They do regular updates to their tournament document on a yearly basis. Uh, they look to make it a very fresh and innovative experience for you. So again, if you're thinking about the other side, I definitely recommend it. Talk to somebody. Get a demo from your local henchman. Uh, and again, as always, when you're listening to Coordinated Strike, if you have a tactics token, you can reach us on uh, at cheatedfatesjoe, gmail.com, and then also at cheatedfatesjoe for Twitter. Uh, I look forward to talking with you. We have the, uh, the Discord up for the other side. We also have our Facebook page, The Other Place. Definitely check us out. That is for all things The Other Side, not just my show. Um, but I hang out there a lot, and I look forward to seeing you on there because it is a total fan-supported area. So remember, if you have a tactics token, you can make a coordinated strike, and I hope to see you on the other side. It's now I talk, can't run your fingers alone.